This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London post-international break podcast. And we've had a little bit of a little bit of a rest episode, actually. We were going to do a podcast of mid-international break, and then we thought, hold on a second, we need to get the sun loungers out because uh, we needed a rest. And we're back again and feeling very invigorated. My name's Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here actually in the virtual joint because I'm a little bit scared because I know there's a big day ahead on Saturday. We've got Chelsea. It's a 5.30 kickoff, and normally when it's a 5.30 kickoff, it means that we start very early and we finish very late. And I've got my chums in the house with me as well. Laney, how are you? I'm good, mate. Yeah, I'm a little bit confused because when someone said earlier, um, you're playing the European champions at the weekend, I thought, Leeds, we don't play them till later on in the, in the year. But apparently it's Chelsea at the moment. So, so I mean, I'm, I, am I stupid? Is it me? I don't know. There's a lot of confusion going on, actually, because to be quite a lot of people that I know actually had the, the leads in their diary as well, expecting the leads to come mm. down. They were looking at the sort of, you know, the, the train connections, you know, down into to King's Cross yeah. and everything like that. And, and, and nothing, just nothing at all. Yeah. You know, just, just just Chelsea. But, you know, I mean, I think the thing is that we're not used to this now because we're in the Premier League. Um, you know, when we were in the championship, it was all about the Champions League, Europe as Leeds, you know what I'm saying? Well, but we have to get used to... I'm, well, I'm not a shit stirrer, but someone's got it wrong. Well, OK, but <laughs> we'll work it out a little bit later. Maybe we can get a Chelsea fan on to actually explain to us what the score is as well. We've got the Allard in the house. The Allard, how are you? I'm very well, yep. It's, um, it's, it's been a, quite a... Seems like it ages ago that we were at West Ham, doesn't it? You know, um, I'll tell you something. You know that I'm telling you. I was thinking exactly the same thing. I was looking back at a few photographs actually because I was doing this for a little uh, little documentary that's out at the moment now. And I was throwing the photographs in. I looked at it and I thought, when was that? And it's, it was like probably just over a week ago, but it seems like about a month ago. And I think this is the thing about this league, isn't it? I mean, this league. I mean, I was, I was chatting to my Championship chums as I do because I like, you know, I like to keep in touch with my Championship chums, and uh, you know, they seem to have had about forty-five games already this season. And they said, "How is it the Premier League?" And I said, "It's, it's all sunbeds. Like you know, we we hardly play any football in this league. It's ridiculous, isn't it?" <laughs> it's is quite nice, isn't it? I quite I quite like it. It's, it's got this sort of pace of it. Of you know, it's not like oh, here we go again Tuesday night. Oh, Saturday. Oh, Oh, again, Tuesday. 
60 or whatever and, and QPR seem to be playing every other day or whatever and, and it's, yeah, I quite like it actually it gives you time to reflect that's right lots of reflection and it's interesting as well because uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit later we'll talk about our Premier League cliches as well but a lot of people are saying to us oh yeah you've got to be careful when you get to November, December you know you won't be able to take the run of games or oh, there's too many games going to be happening <laughs> What are you talking about? You you don't play any football in this league. Oh, yeah, it it speeds up a bit. It's three games in a month. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. What are you going to do then? I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. We're going to actually have to go to a midweek game for once, like, you know. So I do miss some of the midweek games every now and again, actually. Not not every week, but I I miss them every now and again. So anyway, what we've got in the show, we've got the usual characters in the show. We've got the spreadsheet winker. He's going to come and get the stats from the West Ham game and also looking forward to the Chelsea game as well. We've got JB as well with some, well, his facts and his funk as well with JB, as you know. We've got Chidge from the Chelsea fan cast. He's going to be on a little bit later and he's going to be talking Chelsea, Chelsea and more Chelsea because we need to know about George. You haven't played Chelsea since we played them in the Cup a few years ago. So we need a little bit of an update on them because uh, apparently since we played them, they're champions of Europe and they've taken over from Leeds anyway. But uh, international break, guys, what did you get up to? Laney? Uh, I went to see Hampton and Richmond Borough with the Allard and the Dutchman. Um, I, I went there on Saturday and had a, a, a brilliant time. It was almost like a... Uh, um, a Brentford. It was yeah. We, there was a lot of Brentfordness going on. There was Alan Julian in goal for for Hampton, um, and it was uh, it was it Gary Simpson. So so Ro- Robbie Simpson is um, is manager of Chelmsford. Um, although I hadn't, I didn't realise it at the time. It looks a bit different to how he did in those days. Um, and then was it, is it Mickey Spillane was on the bench for them? That's right. Um, I think I think that was our that was our Brentfordness going on, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, there was. There was I, I, I thought um, I thought the the, Ch- the uh, Chelmsford manager was going to explode at one stage, but uh, it was interesting. No, but it was good. You could, the sunshine was gorgeous. Um, sat by the side of the pitch having a beer and just chatting, and uh, there being no jeopardy. Um, uh, it was good. It was really good, really entertaining 4-2 win for Hampton. And I'd, I'd, I'd recommend if Brentford uh, aren't playing and uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough are at home, you get a chance, get get down there. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it's really good now. I mean, they've they've invested in the pitch, which is always the thing about Hampton. Um, probably, you know, uh, do, do you remember like, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, our B team were going to play 10 games there or something. And they weren't because the pitch was never good enough in those days but they've really invested in it and it's made a world of difference to be honest um, they, they play decent football and, and they're very watchable nowadays really good and neck oil was neck oil was less than a fiver a pint so there you go and that is something that to shout about what it's going for <laughs> yeah. and for me you know again I've, I went down to South West London to Dulwich Hamlet has, has had a bit of a reunion with a lot of my mates who actually we just realised we actually all together hadn't been to the Hamlet for about four years actually so that was quite a nice little reunion even though there was a ticket fluff because they actually sold out Hamlet three and a half thousand fans nearly had sold out in the Conference South and uh, so they only had 50 tickets left on the door so I actually uh, steamed down there with my mates I said to them no you can't be in the pub they're all in the pub waiting for us to turn up I said no no I'm actually at the ground you need to come in now because obviously they've got turnstiles but they don't give tickets on the door you have to go straight in so we actually were in the Dulwich Hamlet bar at quarter past 12 like three hours before kickoff I think it's the earliest I've ever been inside the ground but um to be fair we had actually had a good a good time it was a good laugh and it was a, a long day and a long night it has to be said and uh, i saw a few bees down there again actually like i said to you there's quite a few bees go down to the down to the amulet so it's a, a good good just a good laugh it's just a good vibe it's just three and a half thousand though in that ground is is quite tough because it hasn't got a uh, 
It hasn't got the heights. It hasn't got the terracing, which makes you go up and you can see. So you're like literally standing on tiptoes a lot of the time. So that was all, it's all good, like, you know. And uh, before that, look, so actually you should check out because I think I'm, I've actually done a little documentary as well for England, for the FA TV, which is going to be out. I think it's going to be out um, for the England game, which is uh, the England game. Was really, we'll talk about that in a minute, actually. But the England game, it's called Black, English and Proud. And uh, um, and uh, Jordan from Channel 4 TV interviews me, places to the globe, like the globe and down to, uh, to Wembley as well. And it's talking about sort of my journey as a football fan, as a black football fan, as a Brentford fan and England fan as well. You know, the positives and negatives of that over the years. And obviously, me, glass half full person, the positivity as we're going into, you know, the 20, 2021, 2022 and beyond, like, you know, but that's definitely worth checking out. I think by now, by the time you listen to this podcast, it will be out on the FA's channel and their Facebook and on their YouTube channel on all sorts of places as well. So you could check that out and tell you what I really enjoyed. That was the um, the England game. It was really, really, really entertaining. England hungry, wasn't it? Like um, that was a couple of nights ago. Did you enjoy that? Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, 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 the hungry game. For the four-one win to England, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. I, I mean, cracking game. I mean, I thought. I mean, I thought. Did you think? I mean, I thought Ollie Watkins should have come a bit earlier, didn't you? Yeah, well, it's a good job Ivan Tony was called in late. Are we? Are we? Why are we pretending? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we thought we'd kind of call this one out, but actually we recorded this podcast actually before, actually right at the beginning of the, of the weekend, because, or right at the beginning of the week, because uh, because of the England game and because of other things that are going on. So it's a bit of a rare one that we've actually got a Monday night recording podcast. So we've got no idea what happened in the England game, but I would like to think that they're going to, to win. I mean, I'm going down to Wembley on Tuesday night, actually, you know, with all my chums down there, which is all good. But uh, let's, let's see. We could probably talk about that next week. Uh, there's one other thing I want to chat about, actually, uh, Lads, um, did you read The Observer this week? There was, I, I penned a little article trying to, they, they basically did, you know, how's your season going so far, lads? And they asked fans from all the 24 clubs how their season's going so far. And I did a little piece for Besotted on that one. And, uh, you know, I'm, as you know, we're very proud of the way our team's done. And I just sort of basically said, I'm very happy, you know, which we are as fans. And, you know, that might finish next week or next month or whatever. But at the moment, we're very, very happy, you know, and it just asked for different elements I don't know did you ever the ally did you take a little peep at that at all um no I'm afraid I haven't yet um so I will I will I will catch up on it it's um I've just had a really busy weekend Bill. so Laney Laney did you ever look at all oh no I purposely didn't read it <laughs> well, I, I read it. Well, I read it three times. Once for all, all three of you, actually. You know what I'm saying? Why, why don't you tell us about it? No, no, it? no. Yeah. But I'm just saying to you. But the interesting. There's an interesting question there. Well, the inter- there's a couple of interesting things yeah. as well. It's a. Uh, I say interesting is the way that um it was Liverpool. Uh, West Ham and Wolverhampton Wanderers actually all mentioned Brentford when they were talking about you know your worst games this season and uh, again it's one of those ones where you know they say our oh, worst game this season was it, was it Brentford and it's one of those ones where you're thinking was it you know was it you played badly or is it play you uh, or the opposition played well and and there wasn't you know a hundred percent a lot of kind of a credit for the bees in the way that we played in uh, it was more a case that the teams have played badly which again is a, probably another Premier League cliche is it do you think yeah a lot yeah um, I, I think it probably is I think um, it, it's nice to get some credit and we I, we did get some credit in some of the games but there's other games where um, 
yeah, the, the credit has been less forthcoming. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of think we're, we're, we're sort of, I can't make my mind up because I, I, one minute I read an article which says we're the, we are breath of fresh air for the Premier League, um, entertaining and, um, you know, and all of that. And, 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 you know, why didn't Brentford come up five years ago? And I read another article that says um, we are the king of, of time wasting. Um, and it, it seems, you know, that, that, that there always has to be an angle, doesn't there? You know, there's not sort of a, it's one or the other, and we're probably somewhere in the middle, aren't we? We're a team that, that can be attacking, and we are a team that kind of know how to grind it out if we have to. But the thing is, they've been, they've, they're caught in this kind of, we've just lost to a team that have got promoted from the championship. And, you know, I think we've, we've got bad, you know, that, that crock of shit Fulham from what they did last year compared to what we've done so far this season. It's, it's completely and utterly different. You know, and so losing to a team that have got promoted under normal circumstances is quite embarrassing. But once they realise that losing to Brentford is not quite the same as losing to QPR when they came up last and, 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 yeah. and Fulham, it's a, it's a different entity. It's like losing to Leeds last year. They probably It's not great for them, but it's no real shame, really. True. In, in, in retrospect, I'm sure that losing to Leeds last season you know, wasn't the disaster a lot of a lot of them probably thought it was, you know, during the season, because you know Leeds were a good side last season. We're a decent side this season. Yeah. Um, um, when someone loses to Norwich, then let's hear some rumbling and moaning. Oh, so more more Premier League cliches. We will talk about them a little, <laughs> a little, a little bit later. Because um, there's one question actually, which is actually quite interesting in the article, which you can check it out. Like I said to you, it's on the Guardian website. Like I said to you, so how your season's done so far. But it asked what player from the club's past would you want to bring back and I actually said Gary Blissett because you know he can play with Ivan Tony up front if you want to but also he'll be first to the bar if we actually ever win a game and he'll get the rounds in for the for the players which is uh, which is uh, and the fans as well actually you know which is quite true but I'm just thinking just thinking about it Laney what player do you think that you would like to bring back from the past well actually I know what you said Gary Blissett's a good shout he, he, he could have scored and he did score goals at, at every level. I think he was he was he was excellent. Um, what player would I like to see now? Um, I've always got a rich cadet space in my team. I, I really have. I I, I I loved him, and um, I'd, I'd, I'd like him back in my team. Um, yeah, I, I love Tricky Diggy. Okay, and uh, the Allard. Um, do you know I, Robert Taylor? Oh. Big Bobby Taylor, I, because I, I I always thought that he was a better footballer than than actually when we did the when we did the um, podcast with him. I think he was even a better footballer than he thought he was at the time. You know, he talks about himself as being this big sort of crunching centre forward, whereas actually he was quite good technically. You know, he, he scored free kicks and he scored, and, and lobs and stuff like that. I mean, he scored more lobs than Ivan Tony so far, and and, and Ivan Tony's tried a few, but 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 Bob Taylor, Robert Taylor, he used to pull him off. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and another question that was asked actually as well and, uh, you know, throwing it into the pot. I mean, you might not be able to think of it on the, on the spot because obviously we've had such a, uh, we've had such, a we've had such a great season. But, you know, have we had such a funny season? What's the funniest moment so far that you can remember of the season, Laney? Oh, I, I don't, I'm still laughing at that idiot behind the goal at Crystal Palace, yeah. to be honest with you. What an yeah. utter one. <laughs> I have to admit, I wanted to put that down. I mean, I put my funniest moment was uh, um, uh, was Zenka when he uh, Zenka when he uh, had the tussling with uh, you know with um, Moyes. You know, oh, what I'm Moyes, saying yeah. that's right, and then giving the ball back afterwards. So I put that down as my funniest moment, but it was hard because it's hard for you to translate the guy behind the goal 
in, in sort of kind of like 25 words, like, you know, in, in the Observer. So I kind of didn't put that one down as well. And also the sort of West Ham fans that were making fun of us. And then we sort of kind of scored about 20 seconds later and they all left as well. Again, that didn't sort of quite translate to... A, to a, it was quite a funny moment for us at the time. I mean, the Elod, have you got any... Well, to be honest, my, my memory of that was, was that we scored the winner at West Ham and we celebrated a bit and we sort of jumped up and down and then I looked up and looked around and we were the only people left in the stadium <laughs> <laughs> so it was like I didn't even leave I didn't even see them leave because it obviously happened during the time that we celebrated the goal got, um, their, their um, bubble machine it was empty. their bubble machine's a bit faulty as well I, I thought it went off after every goal but apparently it, it, it doesn't that's right it wasn't working at the end actually they, they yeah. run, we were running out of bubbles pretty bubbles in the air yeah so um, <laughs> But look, as well, look, just so we're back and we have to get ourselves into gear. It's really weird trying to get our heads back into gear. So at the moment now, like I said to you, the Bees are doing not too bad. 12 points from seven games, plus four goal difference, two points off the Europa League places. Lady, you, you looking, you're looking at flights already, are you, from the Europa League? Uh, I, I am. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am. I, I, I listen to uh, the Athletics um, podcast, like the, the warm-up, the... the, the um, preview to the weekend and it was more it was more betting odds than anything else actually but it was excellent and they basically were saying that Brentford um, is is 20 to 1 to finish in the top six this season and they were saying that it's probably the most generous bet you're probably going to lose that's currently available they said we probably won't but there's a real good chance we will and there's more is a more of a 20 to 1 chance than it's being offered so there's a lot of people thinking that we could do it you know <laughs> that's quite bad so like i said seventh place at the moment four points off the top but doesn't that make that doesn't that actually we're only four points off the top doesn't that make that legitimately that make this a six pointer against Chelsea oh, there you go. I was, listen I was just I put it on the plate there for UDL I'd have put that on the plate does it make it a six pointer for us or does it make it a six pointer for Chelsea is more to the point actually you asked me that one um, I, I think it's a six pointer for us and it's a six pointer for them isn't it? there you go <laughs> Is that Premier League cliche? Uh, I don't know. We might have to talk about that a little bit later. But look, anyway, we are going to get a little drink because even though it's in the virtual joint, we still need to go and we need to wet our whistles, as we say. So we're going to go and get a drink. We're going to come back and then we're going to talk about West Ham. So, well, just over a week ago, we went to West Ham. Ham. First time well, we've been to the new stadium, actually, the London Stadium. Relatively new. It's actually six years old. I can't believe it. It's been six years old. And we're in the stadium, and it's fabulous. We just have to say it's a fabulous result. We have to actually remind ourselves what happened in that game, how the fans felt, and everything that went on. It's going to listen to what the fans have to say, both the Brentford and the West Ham fans, after the game, in the stands, and in the pub. This has been one of the best away games ever. The second half was the hardest game so far we've had, but we dug in well and we still kept going right to the last and got what we deserved. And at the end, none of this crap about going for the corner to waste time. We went to win because it's in our DNA. We have it ingrained in us to win. Well, are you bees? I can't believe what we've just done today. This superb game. What a winner at the end. Bisser. Superb. We lost to one of our players just before kick-off from the warm-up. Then we lose our centre midfield about 10 minutes, quarter minute in the game. It's a whole change of the squad in, right in the midfield there. And the guys that came on just dug in and they played their hearts out for the team. 
What an unbelievable team we are. We don't yet know our level, and we still don't. And every time I make a score prediction, and I thought one all today, we go and better it. Unbelievable game, unbelievable. Like, 1-1 one, one was pretty fair result, but 2-1, fucking got to love it. For me, the SXBs, all our family, our friends are West Ham. So this is a game I always wanted to win, and we've done it. And it's, and it's my birthday and Dave's birthday. Best birthday present ever. Uh, well, I'm still up there. Rico, I think, is an absolute star. He put in a fantastic performance today. And uh, why he's not in the England squad, I don't know. Fill my wheelbarrow through Hounslow and Arrow. I first set my eyes on this great football team. Yes. But it's not a bad win, is it? I was um, very, very pleased with the outcome. We're on our way! We're on our way! To Europa League! We're on our way! How do we get there? I don't care. Easy jet or iron it. All I know is Napoli away! Uh, the old Brentford would have caved in at uh, that one all, but we just kept going and it didn't give up at all. And we got over the line. Oh, I've been through the ringer. That yes. second half was, oh, it was immense. Um, I thought, to be fair, we was really struggling, you know, the players were going down like dominoes, but, um, you know, they, they really gritted their teeth and got in stuck in that. And I actually said it to, I said it to Pat, um, that last free kick, I thought, just give us a little chance, a little nick off someone, and then Wiesa popped up. Oh, beautiful. Oh, they were sick. I thought Moyes would have made substitutions at half-time, but he hates making substitutions full stop. Um, and the, the team, I thought, looked tired. And I know it's a, I know it's a, it's a platitude that people say all the time, but they really looked like they were, they had enough. I think, I think West Ham had more shots that travelled three foot in that game and got blocked by a Brentford defender than any other game. They said every time they had a shot, there seemed to be a yellow shirt or a pair of yellow shorts in a way. I don't know if it was the yellow outfits, you know, the high-vis outfits possibly, but they seemed to, and as soon as they lost the ball, they all came back and, you know, went back into their system and they looked like, they looked like a well-drilled side. And we looked like a knackered side. They looked like a good team. They looked like a good team. They didn't look like relegation fodder at all. You know, they looked like confidence in the team. They ran. It didn't seem to be carrying any passengers at all. Looked like a decent side. Frustrating side. Oh, God. <laughs> So there you go, fans in the stadium, in the stands, in the pub after the game. And it is, uh, it's t- Sunday kickoffs are always a bit strange, but that one is actually quite good. It kind of worked out all right in the end because literally we just got out early and we got down there early and we went by the river and uh, River Lee and we had the boat by the side and outside and some beers and nice atmosphere and good weather and the result went fine. And it, just, it was almost like a perfect day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. I mean, you know... We get Sunday kickoffs early get a, a bad reputation, but I am happy to play at three o'clock in the morning on Thursday if we're guaranteed a win. You know, it's if, if 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 Brentford win, I'm happy to play at any time. But uh, I, I have to say, you know, if you were if you're out in the sunshine, um, you know, we 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 sat and uh, in the shade a little, and it was cold. But if you're in in the sun. Uh, drinking in in um, Hackney Wick, there were some great great little breweries there. Uh, it was it was perfect, and then obviously we went into this you know huge colossal Olympic Stadium, um, as big almost as big as Wembley, and we see my Brentford win there. Um, 
it just just incredible, just jaw-droppingly incredible that our team can go there. And we're saying it's a great result and it's a brilliant result. It's a it's a you know passage of right result, but it wasn't really. We weren't that surprised, were we? You know, it was it was something that was well within our capabilities. It wasn't it wasn't a once in a generation shock. It was something that's happening in most weeks at the moment. So uh, yeah, a pinch yourself moment. I had a, I had a great Sunday. Yeah, and the LR, I mean, what was your main takeaway from that game? I think, um, I think to be honest, we sort of did it with, with, if you think of probably the two most influential players that have joined us in the last year, and I'm saying that with Jan out having come towards, I think, the end of the transfer window at the beginning of last season. Tony was already in place, obviously. Um, so, so Jan out and Aja, and, and both of them didn't play. And, and, and I think that, that would have been a scary thought, wouldn't it, um, before the game? Do you know what I mean? If and, and it was a scary thought. You know, you're sort of looking at it thinking, shit, um, is this where, you know, we might struggle a bit? But but we, we we still looked good. We were really, really good for 30 minutes in that game. Really good. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and I'm asking the question here because again, if you listen to the, the weekend review, I mean obviously it was a week ago now, uh, when we did the weekend review straight after the West Ham game, and what we do is that we bullet point a number of questions and we answer them very quickly, go through them, we try and discuss them a little bit more on this show. And uh, you know, listen <laughs> As you talked about those players are out, you know, we had, in effect, we had three players out, really. We didn't really have Aya. We had, you know, we had Shannon Baptiste, who was out as well. And like I said to you, you know, we, uh, who else was out? Was, uh, um, Frank the Tank came in, didn't he? Yeah. yeah and Yanel was out. In, yeah. yeah. And Yanel was out. Okay. So for us, like I said to you, in effect, um, we're not putting ourselves down, but that's, that is an understrength team, really, isn't it? Because those yeah. players are so key for us. I mean, I know a lot of other people say, oh, we all, every team is the same if you've got a player out, but those are really key players to the way that we play, aren't they? And, and, and especially in that game, because, because it was a game where, where, especially when Baptiste got injured, you know, it was a game where we couldn't afford to be overpowered in midfield because we were, we were already, you know, 1-0 up. And then Baptiste gets injured and we have to bring Jensen on. We don't have another choice. And he's probably not the player you bring on in that situation. If you're 1-0 down with 20 minutes to go and, you know, and, and, and the opposition have got loads of players behind the ball and stuff like that, then you bring him on. But, you know, you know, we still... And, and we carried him for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, to be honest. He really struggled to get into the game. Then I think he sort of found his way in and, um, and, and, and did OK. But it's, it, it's, I suppose it shows a bit of versatility as well there, doesn't it? That you, can, that you can sort of swap through your midfield, even potentially play a player you wouldn't really want to play in that situation and you still come out of it smelling the roses. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, looking at that, I mean, that game, and I'm going to come to you in a minute, Laney, I mean, you, you're right about that. But if you look at it in black and white, the first thing about it is that most pundits, most people don't really know our team. So what they'll do is that they'll see us, they'll see the result, and they'll go, oh, Brentford did well, or oh, Brentford scored a, a last-minute goal, or oh, you know, West Ham had you know more chance than Brentford, but Brentford scored in the end. But the fact is that, you know, if for Chelsea, if they had two or three key players out, Everyone will say, oh, Chelsea got a result there, even without those key players out. You know, if Arsenal, you know, the same thing, you know, and Arsenal didn't, you know, didn't get the result against Brentford. Oh, they had three or four players out. But with us, they don't actually necessarily say that because they don't know our team. So for us, we actually know that that was an extra good result because we were compared to what we, we, we should be. We were depleted, like, you know what I'm saying? But it's almost like people didn't give us the credit. So if you look at West Ham fans, they go, oh, no, we were a bit jaded from the Europa League and we were this and that and the other. And it's like, well, we were actually kind of short of two really key players that we needed in a game against you, isn't it, Laney? Oh, 100%. You can't use an excuse is OK for one team and no excuse is OK for the other. I mean, you know, we, we, we were up against, you know, 
two players that the whole world was was raving about. You know, Declan Rice, Mikel Antonio. You know, everyone was saying that these players are unplayable. They're too good for us. Um, you know, we know what Saeed Ben Rahman is capable. Thomas Suchek, he seems to score every bloody week when I when I when I turn my TV on, and you know we you know pa- Pablo Fornells, you know Kurt Zuma, you know they, they Aaron Cresswell, you know they, these guys are, are are established top flight players, and for the first 35, 40 minutes we made them look very second best, and we probably should have been outside by that stage. Um, and in the second half, because of the restructuring, um, you know, we 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 had to we had to cope um, with with like reorganising midfield all over again, and it was it was a hard task, and we we coped admirably, and it was a great finish by Gerald Bowen, um, but we still weren't running the team running the clock down into the into the you know playing the ball into the corners. Um, at the end, we went for the win and we, we got what we deserved. So, you know, it really did poo-poo all those people that said we were just time-wasting and going for a draw. We weren't. We were going for a win. And the Allard, I mean, we were... Say, first half, listen, game of two halves. I mean, the first half, we were, you know, we were, I say dominant, but we did very well in the first half. And we were definitely the better team in the first half. And you can argue to say that maybe we should have been more than one goal up. You know, uh, but we didn't get the one. You know, so at, at half, you know, as we as we went in still with one goal, it was still quite fragile. The second half, we found it more difficult, and as we said to you, you know, the players that we had, you know, obviously Moyes went in at half time, told them to play a particular way, and they kind of put the pressure on us. Now the question I said was for me, I was there in that second half, and I was biting my fingers at times, thinking we need to change it, we need to change it, we need to change it, and and we didn't change it until uh, West Ham equalised. And then immediately they equalised, we changed it. And we talked about this on the weekend review. And the question I say to you is, do you think that we um, changed it, put the subs on, a little bit late? Um, I, I don't know, because I don't think there are particularly obvious substitutions. Um, I mean, Wissa from Bremo, from, from Bumo, is, is, is a substitution that happens in most games now. Um, but he was having a good game, so I couldn't really see... That, that made a whole lot of sense, um, or at least I couldn't say that we we did it too late, to be honest. And then, and then, and then, really, I think maybe Bidstrup could have come on instead of Jensen, but Jensen's got more experience, and he was going to have to play for 60, 65 minutes. I reckon if Baptista got injured with twenty minutes to go, I reckon Bidstrup possibly comes on instead of Jensen. Um, but I, so, so what what could have happened? We could have taken Jensen off and put Bidstrup on at that point. I, I, I don't really know that. That it would it would have strengthened us to be honest. I, I think it would have been a bit of an odd thing to do. I think Jensen was kind of getting into the game then. Um, so yeah, I, I I I couldn't see how those substitutions were going to particularly help us defend a, a you know a one 0 lead. I was thought we were doing okay, um, and and I couldn't really see how we were going to make ourselves stronger defensively. I suppose is the point really, apart from maybe bid strip for Jensen. But I thought that was not going to happen because he'd come on as a sub already. There's an argument to say, uh, though, um, the substitutes actually made the game because obviously, you know, he's brought uh, the Wiesa on. The Wiesa. And uh, tell you something, it's quite funny because, again, these players come and, you know, again, if any Chelsea fans are listening or anybody else is listening, you know, uh, 
we have got no idea half the time what these we don't even know who they are where they come from they just they just pop out from somewhere and uh, and we just keep our fingers crossed that the, the the directors of football have got it right yet again and we sir it just popped up from again somewhere in France again I, I can't L'Oreal oh, that's L'Oreal. right that's right it's not Leighton Orient it's not the, 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 the team near to West Ham it's L'Oreal you know like I said we're used to getting players from Leighton Orient but no not this time because we're in Premier League now but um, yeah we got it from L'Oreal and, and clueless clueless we, we actually uh, if you check out PrideOfWest.London we actually got a, a fan from L'Oreal who came over um, um, I think it was L'Oreal was it the Express I think they might have been called the podcast or maybe I'm just dreaming that one and he actually spoke to us about uh, the player. He said he's very fast, he's very skillful. Um, but again, the question for us is, is he going to make the grade? And uh, when he first came to his game, the one thing I remembered about him is that he was very keen. He was very eager to please. And I thought, oh, he's a bit, he's a bit, he's a bit keen, like, you know. So uh, we had to sort of kind of put him on, on ice for a few weeks, you know, <laughs> while, we, while we knocked the keenness out of him and just got him to be a little bit more disciplined in his game. But he, he looks pretty skillful, doesn't he, the LRs? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I think, I think when he first played, I think it was against, was it against Palace? Palace, I think he came on, and I thought what was noticeable was that he didn't really contribute to sort of um, the defensive element to the game that we expect from Bremo for sure, and Bremo now, and um, and and I was a bit worried about that, but he's picked that up quite quickly, and he sort of got that into his game, you know, really quite quickly. He's skillful. He's he's not super super quick. But he's, but but he's, you know, he's got a bit of pace on him. So certainly more pace than Tony, and he and he gives you, he gives you fresh legs with twenty minutes to go. He's in, he's got he's got an incredible way of finishing. You, you know, he 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 scored a great goal against Forest Green Rovers. He scored two goals against Oldham, including that beautiful overhead kick. He's got the the finish against Liverpool that makes it three all, that makes him a hero. And then obviously he's got the winner against West Ham. Um, and let's not forget, you know, he, he had a, you know, an acid attack, you know, he's, he, on, on his, he almost lost the sight in his eye, um, you know, within a year. So it's, it's been an incredible, and he's moved from France to England. It's been a big, big time for him. So, uh, you know, all power him, you know, he's, he's come um, and he's, he's made a huge impact. And, you know, who's to say? You know he's he's not going to be um, the leading goal scorer at Brentford this season. It, stranger things have happened. Yeah, I, I I also think one of the things that's really important is that he can play now that at the moment we're playing three five two and it's and it's it's really important that he can play through the middle as part of a two. Um, probably it has to be with Tony or Force. I'm not sure him and and Mbume would work together, but 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 the fact he can play that role rather than he's a he's an out and out winger. Um, and and would struggle to come in and play that role. You just by the goals he scored, you can see that he can play in in, in the three five two, um, and that and, and that's a really good thing as well. Because I was a bit worried about what happens if we get you know injuries, especially in Bumo, really. But but I think that there is an answer there at the moment. Yeah. And, and I'm going to ask as well just about um, the stadium itself. Um, safe standing I mean there was uh, we, we were actually treated to actually standing for 90 minutes in a game with as they call it safe standing rail seats now um, the reason why we're excited we've been talking about this for quite a while we've said that you know Brentford you know beforehand there was no talk of standing even though we thought initially in our stadium we thought we we're going to be the flagship for uh, for standing but they decided to make that uh, the decision uh, that we wouldn't have standing at our ground which is a little bit disappointing I have to be said but all of a sudden you heard a 
Bird. And Birdie was sort of talking about standing at Griffin Park. So the Griffin, the Besotted actually did their little sniffing around them for what we've heard. And we said this, well, a, couple, a few months ago now, uh, next season, I said to you, we said within, within 12 months, we are going to have standing at Griffin Park. And we're not talking about just standing in your seats in the West End, which we have at the moment now. We're actually going to have safe standing rail seating at Griffin Park, which is very, very exciting because we stand anyway, like, you know, and it's causing all sorts of problems. So we might as well get rail seating in and just stand permanently, which is all good. So we had tried it out at West Ham, and I'm just going to ask you, Lady, what did you think? I really enjoyed that. Um, it was good to experience it. Uh, I said that the Olympic Stadium was my stinker of the week because it's not a football stadium, uh, but they are obviously they to credit where credit's due. They obviously are trying to make it better, um, put in safe standing in in the away end, um, and I assume there's some in the home end. Uh, is is a positive step, um, and it's, I'm, I will welcome it with open um, open arms and stretched legs uh, next season at New Griffin Park. Yeah, and I mean I'm not going to say this as well because obviously when we score that 90th minute goal, I mean normally when you score a 90th minute goal like that, there's people falling over the chairs, falling over each other, like there's all sorts of malarkey going on. But it wasn't necessarily like that because obviously all the seats were flipped up, so everyone was just jumping up and down as you normally do. And there's also quite a big gap, wasn't there, between you know it's not like one of those things where you know when you're sitting in your normal seat and then you stand up people have to sort of squeeze past you but there was a bit more space there as well which I thought was quite good wasn't it? I thought it was great I mean you know it, it like you said I mean you could celebrate a goal without breaking your ankle um, and, 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 I, and, I, and I say that because because I just mean you know the seats bloody get in the way don't they really when you, when you celebrate a goal especially a last minute goal they're a nightmare um, so yeah no, I thought I, I, I really liked it I think it's it's a really good system um it, it it ticks the boxes and um and it's the way that you know i'd quite like to watch football albeit I'm, I'm not behind the goal at brentford so i may not get to experience it at home games but um i certainly hope i do it away games yeah, yeah so at the moment like i said to you it's looking at west end um safe standing pop up definitely at the top of the west end possibly the bottom of the west end and also at the away end at the top of the away end as well you know we're looking at that which is all good because like i said to you you know you want to treat the uh, away supporters as we're treated ourselves because when we go away we like to be treated as the home supporters as well because we're all football fans together so that should be very very exciting so uh, listen tell you what though i mean we've talked a lot about standing we talked about a lot about the players but we haven't talked anything about what brentford are very good at because that's what's helped to get us where we are now it's the stats. So we're going to go over to Will, the spreadsheet winker, and he's going to give us the statistical lowdown on West Ham. Spreadsheet winker. So what are the two most important things to know about the West Ham game? First of all, it's the first match we've lost on XG so far this season, according to InfoGoal. We ended up on 1.42 xG, whereas West Ham created 1.59, all of which came from a large amount of small chances aside from Jared Bowen's 60th minute shot from the edge of the 60-yard box. Bowen's equaliser was a tiny 6% chance, less than half the xG of Wiesa's eventual winner. So our defence did an excellent job of keeping Antonio especially, but more broadly the West Ham attack at bay. Antonio only had 0.15 xG worth of chances from two shots, a lot less than I thought he was going to get. Second of all, we made one big chance and we scored it. And Burmo's goal had a 53% chance of going in. Other than that and a brilliant winner, it was a bog-standard afternoon for the Bees attackers. Ivan Tony only managed one shot, a speculative 6% chance within the first 10 minutes. But Brian and Burmo ended up having four shots himself, 
proving that this new look front line where Brian feeds off a deeper lying Tony holding the ball up is effective at producing shots on goal. So there you go, Will, the spreadsheet winker. And uh, first game that we have lost on XG. I know some people don't love XG. They don't like it at all because they don't believe in it and all that, which is fine. But like I said to you, that's, that's what's helped to get us here now. And I think it's good to know it and understand it and consume it and do what you want with it as well. You know, so uh, yeah, West Ham ahead of the game. But what was interesting, like he said to you, is that they created... Basically, our defence did wicked because they kind of got in the positions, but we didn't allow them to get the ball in the back of the net, actually. We did really well, which really well, in sort of kind of closing them down, blocking them off. And uh, like I said, one big chance was that Bowen chance, like I said to you, which wasn't the goal, but the other chance, I talked about that on the on the, on the, on the weekend review as well, which was, which, was, which was a massive chance, actually, I think. I can't remember, I think it was about 50, but one in two of those would have gone in the back of the net, but it didn't, thank God for that, you know. Um, and ironically, I think the goal that he scored actually wasn't a huge chance, it was about 10%, I think, just like Wiesa's goal, which is 13%, so one in 10 of those normally would go in the back of the net. But those are the goals that we love to see because when they score, especially in the, in the last minute, you, they're, they're much better than, than the tap-ins, aren't they, like, uh, the, the Allard? Even though I'm sure that the, the directors of football and all the analysts would rather us score nine out of ten tap-ins, but we prefer them to be scoring them from 25 yards when they're not going to go in the back of the net, aren't we? I like it when someone swings their foot here. And when they swing their foot here, you, going through your head is, that ain't going to get through into the goal. Oh, it's in the goal. And and, that, and and literally, you know, you, I, you see those sort of last-minute corners and free kicks all the time in your football-watching career, and you know most of the time when someone has a swing at it from outside the box and there's there are players in between the ball and the goal, it hits a player and bounces out or whatever. And But this one just kept going, and, and yeah, it just hit the back of the net. It was just pretty awesome. It was, it, it was just one of them beautiful goals, wasn't it? It was it was it was a it was a thing of beauty, and also we have to say that um, that Pontus was involved in another near yes. miss. And every time he every time he should score but doesn't, we still score. And I, I quite like that. So it's been it's been two, it was two against Liverpool that he should have he should have scored. One he hit the crossbar, we still scored. One he he just he just failed to get his foot on it, but then Pinnock came in at the back post, we still scored. And then uh, he got a great header in, and, and uh, the keeper saves it. Fabianski saves it, but then Wiesa follows up and smashes in the back of the net. So, you know, it's it's is his his like fluff fluffiness. He, he needs to actually score soon, I think. Well, and you think he and the thing is, is that he he the law of averages say he is going to start scoring, isn't he? Because Ooh. at the moment, what he's doing is he's getting himself in position to score. Ooh. You know, he could have had three goals in the, in the last two games. So he's getting himself in the positions. And, and I'm sure, you know, he will score soon because he'll just hopefully keep getting himself in them positions. And so that's a good thing as well, isn't it? It's kind of... By the power of XG. By the, by the power of averages, <laughs> he will score next week. <laughs> on sat on Saturday. Well, interesting because I had a little conversation today. Actually, I spoke to the Royal Oak B, the Royal Oak B, who's been on our podcast recently. <laughs> no, uh, he decided that Roy Keane is not <laughs> needed for Brentford anymore, and he's very happy how things are going at the moment yeah. now. But no, I had a good old chat to Royal Oak B today, but, um, and he's actually come back from Sweden. He was actually in Sweden last weekend because his other half is Swedish, and she went over to. Well, they went over to go and visit the family out there, and uh, and that and. He said to him that some guy came up to him and he said to him, oh, Brentford, oh, yes, he had a Brentford shirt on. He said, oh, Brentford, oh, Pontus Janssen. And he's like, oh, Pontus, Pontus, yeah, yeah, Pontus is really good. And then he, apparently this character started to go and tell him that Pontus is really, you know, he, he, I think he used to play with him or something like that. And he was always a leader, always a character. 
And he also used to play as a centre forward. He was actually uh, all the way through you know, his career. He was actually a centre forward and quite a good centre forward. And he actually switched to a defender when he was 21. So he played centre forward till he's quite late. So uh, maybe that's the reason why Pontus Janssen is all the way up front half the time and trying to get the ball in the back of the net. Did you? So, did you so know sorry. That so, so Roy Keane is the best next manager, and Pontus Janssen's a striker. Not sure. I'm, mm. <laughs> I was, I'm just, I'm, I'm just relaying Ooh. the information. I'm just okay. saying that's that. That was what had happened back in the day. Did he look like a striker to you, uh, the Allard? Do you, do you ever think of that? Um, I never, I never, I, didn't, didn't strike my mind. I, I tell you what strikes my mind a bit more is that I reckon Ivan Tony would be a decent centre back if you didn't want him up. If you didn't need him up front, which you do. But um, but I reckon he'd be a decent centre back, Ivan Tony. Yeah, he's one of the most headers in the whole of the league, if I the whole of the, of the Premier League, if I remember rightly. So uh, yeah, so and uh, and Brentford are right up there with Burnley on the on the heading front as well. You know, as in winning headers, and you know, uh, sort of kind of a lot of people are talking about the directness of our team, which we'll probably talk about another week actually as well, because you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, as we said, Pilda Stoke. Other people are saying they're able, to, as you said, the Allard to flip up their style. So. Uh, we're doing it effectively, but we'll talk about that later. But that's just coming back to Ivan Tony and him being uh, very hot in the air, which means that defensively he's great, but also he's actually getting the he's winning the balls up front and he's giving the defenders torrid time. So, which is all all good. But listen, anyway, um, listen, we, we we need to kind of talk to JB because JB likes to give us some facts and he likes to give us some funk. So let's go over to hear what JB. Has to say with the facts and the funk. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Who? JB. And he's ready to stock it to you one time. Uh, get it. Hello, Jonathan Burchell here again. Another undefeated away match, this time at West Ham. And it's only the seventh time in our league history we've been undefeated in our first four games on our travels. The eight points have only been bettered by the ten achieved by David Website at the start of the 96-97 season, and the perfect four wins from four from the Harry Curtis side of 32-33. We're actually on a run of ten away league games without defeat, if you include the six at the end of last season. Although also last season, from October to February, we had another run of ten away undefeated. Thomas Frank thereby being the only manager or head coach in our history to achieve such a run twice. Wissa was again on super sub duties. It's not so long since the last one, which was Sergi Canos back in February 2019 against Blackburn and Forest. Next up are Chelsea, the current champions of Europe, just as they were last time we hosted them for an FA Cup fourth round tie in 2013, which ended in that close 2-2 draw with Trotter and Harry Forrest's penalty almost being enough for a memorable win until the visitors equalised seven minutes from the end. And this is the club's birthday week, having been founded on the 10th of October 1889 at the Oxford and Cambridge Hotel near to where the one over the eight pub now stands. The local newspaper of a couple of weeks earlier also reported of a new omnibus route starting between the Angel Pub at 105 London Road in Brentford and Kew Bridge. So it's a fact that the bus stop was already there. So there goes JB with a fax and a funk. You like a bit of funk, don't you, the elements? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I've you know, I, I like to pretend I like a bit of funk because it's kind of cool to like a bit of funk, you know. So I throw names like George Clinton out there, um, but if you if you push me really hard, <laughs> I'd probably struggle. <laughs> James Brown. Like yeah, a bit of James Brown. I saw James Brown back in the day. Yeah, 
Yeah. It took him about. It took him about. No, no, the James Brown. Took him. It took him about. I think it took about 38 minutes for him to get on to actually come on stage. From what I can remember when I saw James Brown. And if anybody else has seen him, you will understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yes. Um, and, and the bus stop in Hounslow. JB's. Uh, yeah, he's brought the bus stop in Hounslow into play, hasn't he? Yeah. Actually, so you know, it wasn't it wasn't QPR, was it? Yeah. It, was, it was about 100 years ago, wasn't it, lady? Good work. Yeah, I was very impressed with that. The, the old bus bus stop facts. <laughs> So, yeah, no. yes. <laughs> J- JB has done us mighty proud this week. Well done, mate. That's right. Good old JB. So, listen, but I, 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 It's always impressive, isn't it? Facts you can never check. I, I love <laughs> JB for it. Yeah, but you know he's done his due diligence because he always does his due diligence. But talking about diligence, we're going to get very diligent by actually getting and checking out the facts and what's going down in Chelsea land. As we're going to chat to Chidge, from the Chelsea fancast, he's going to tell us all what's going down in Chelsea. Good evening, Billy the Bee and all the besotted people. Uh, really lovely to be able to speak to you tonight. Uh, it's Stamford Chidge here from uh, the Chelsea fancast. Uh, like you, we've been doing this a long time, but actually not as long as you lot. Although we do have, uh, we do share something. We have something in common. We both won awards at the uh, Football Blogging Awards. So there we go. Um, what can I tell you about the Chelsea fancast? As I said, I mean, we started it in 2008 in the, in the days of Avram Grant, oddly just before our first uh, Champions League, or if you prefer, European Cup final, which uh, ended rather, uh, well, being drenched in the rain and John Terry missing a penalty, which is very painful to recall. Uh, but there you go. And we've been going ever since, and it's great fun. Like you, we started in a pub and... Uh, Best place to do a podcast, really, isn't it? Um, we, we used to do it right after the match, but it got a bit emotional, so we kind of moved it to a non-match day, which was more sensible. Uh, and, of course, we now do it on Zoom, like so many people do, which is not as much fun. But we've all kind of moved away and stuff and got old and whatever, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been doing it for a long time, as I said, and basically we cover uh, every Chelsea game. Uh, we tend to review them on a Monday and preview them on a Friday, but... We're not. The, we're all old, basically. I mean, most of us are in our fifties, and some of us are older than that. We all uh, write books on Chelsea. We we write for the fanzine. I do a column for Football London. Uh, I'm on the Supporters Trust as well as a, as quite a few of us are. So we're all very heavily embedded into the club and the culture of the club, which, as you can imagine, has changed a lot over the years. Um, but uh, but really, you know, we're not we're not into talking about stats and all that nonsense. We're too old for that. We're very much about the culture of the support and, and the and the nuances of the game as well. And we probably are a little bit more level-headed, although you know what it's like when you've had a thumping from somebody. Nobody's level-headed. So there you go. I think one thing that we're particularly proud of that we've done recently is we've done a series called 50 Years of Chelsea. So we started in the lockdown because, of course, there wasn't a lot of football to talk about. So we, uh, we started in 1970 when a lot of us uh, started sporting the club. And uh, we kind of went through every year since. Where we've done a fair few of them. And they've gone down really, really well because that's the thing. People are always interested in what's come before. And I think for a club like Chelsea, that's particularly relevant. But uh, more of that later, no doubt. Um, now, yeah, we're definitely, definitely looking forward to the... I mean, the Brentford match will be one of the most an- eagerly anticipated matches, away matches of the season for us. Uh, you know, it's a really weird thing, isn't it, West London? Um Quite often we bemoan the fact that, and don't take this the wrong way, but we, we bemoan the fact that we don't have, you know, many genuine rivals like you know Tottenham and Arsenal, 
definitely big rivals. Uh, West Ham, Spurs, you know, they've got all of that going on. But as we're out in West London, we just don't have that same thing. So we tend to have an enmity, definitely Tottenham, obviously, uh, Arsenal and, and, of course, West Ham. But the West London thing's a bit weird. I mean, I know you, you, and, Pre- you and Fulham don't get on too well. And let's face it, nobody likes QPR. Uh, but I don't think we have that animosity to you lot, Brentford particularly, actually, and uh, Fulham and QPR, as, a, as, as you might expect. In fact, I know for a fact there's, a, there's an awful lot of uh, ex-Chelsea fans, shall we say, who got fed up with what's happened with the club uh, in the recent hi- history of it that have actually kind of emigrated to, to Brentford as it were um, so there you go so it's going to be a really interesting uh, really interesting match on Saturday and I'm really hoping that somebody's promised me a ticket whether they'll deliver it or not we'll see the proof of the pudding will be in the eating but they were really hard to get hold of as all away tickets are for Chelsea games because we tend to get a lot of people wanting to go so there you go. Um, now you lot, of course, are new to the Premier League, and uh, I mean you've done well, I think, so far, both from what I see. Um, but it's it's interesting, isn't it? You know, our aspirations must be very. I'm, I'll be really curious to know what your aspirations are for this season. But I would imagine right now, you're probably exceeding them. But uh, for us lot, of course, it's very different. You know, we went into the game, or we'll go into the game as top of the league. Uh, we went into the season as the champions of Europe which, to be really honest, none of us really expected. I mean, it was looking good once we got, you know, past Atletico Madrid. But, you know, this was not the season to go and win the Champions League, I think. So we were absolutely chuffed that we did, obviously. But I think the trouble with that is that expectations get raised. And, uh, you know, if you're the champions of Europe, you expect to beat everybody and you expect to beat them comfortably. But, of course, you know, life and football certainly are not like that. So I do think expectations have gone up hugely and I definitely think that a lot of supporters will be expecting, actually, to win the Premier League this season, not least because we've finally got a striker in Lukaku who can uh, bang goals in. But I'm not so sure. I mean, I think, I think that we're still maybe a few players short. And, I'm, you know, you've got, we've got to make up a huge gap on, on... I think we were still something like 20, 15, 20 points behind uh, last season's champion City. So... It's still a big ask, and there are teams that have improved. You know, City may not have got a new striker, but they're still very good. Liverpool have got Van Dijk back. United, even though they've got a clown and a PE teacher as a manager, can't be discounted, particularly now they've got Ronaldo. So it's 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 going to be tough. But uh, I can tell you now, expectations will be very, very high. Uh, and and that, that's kind of, you know, that's that's how it's been at Chelsea, really, since Roman Abramovich took over. You know, I remember when he did, you know, everybody said, oh, right, we're going to win the league this season. And it uh, didn't happen until Mourinho turned up. But, uh, you know, with all that money comes a lot of expectation. And, you know, that's kind of really where we are now. Uh, and that's a very, very far cry from uh, when I first started going. I mean, I first started going in the 70s, but, uh, you know, I went more often in the 80s. And we were still, you know, up and down then, you know, one year We'd be, you know, I think we finished about fifth, uh, fifth or sixth in 1984 when we went back up. But we'd been in the, been in the second division for several years before that, and then we went back down again in the late 80s. Thankfully, we've not been down since, so that's a, that's a lovely thing. But it was a very different club then. Still a big club. People try to pretend that we're not, but we are. We're a big club. We've had, we've had a lot of support down the years, and uh, nobody can really deny that, uh, although they do try to. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a great club and it, it, very different then, very different then. And yeah, I mean, as an old git, I kind of do miss those days. I miss the terraces. 
um, the simplicity of football, really, and and you know just the lack. I mean, it's all it's all for money now, isn't it? You know, it's all about money, and uh, it's globalized. So you know, they they care more about what time they kick off, so the Asian market can see it and all that kind of thing. And that does that does rankle a bit, but uh, you know, I still love going, and that's the main thing, isn't it? Um, obviously, the uh, European Super League, in a way, was the kind of the uh, I don't know, the worst part of that, wasn't it, last season? And I'm very proud that, A, it was Chelsea fans that all went down. In fact, actually, I, I, from what I understand, a few Brentford fans were, were with us in Fulham Road. I wasn't there, sadly, but I, I heard anecdotally that there were. But I was very proud that we, we went out onto the streets and made our voices heard, and it was Chelsea that basically panicked first or blinked first and pulled out of it, which kind of brought the whole thing down, uh, crashing down, which was a good thing to see. Um, but that would have been terrible. That would have been the end of it for, for many many people I know. They would have stopped going. They would have said, that's it. Uh, no more football for us because it's just gone too far. But hopefully that won't come back again, although I fear it will because basically all these clubs, all they care about is money. And that's the, that's the Premier League for you. It's all about the brand, isn't it? Um, and it does kind of make it a bit of a weird league, doesn't it? Because you know, on the one hand, you've got these super rich clubs for whom money is no object. And then you've got everybody. I mean, you've got got a really weird mix. This is something you might not have encountered, obviously, having not been up here before. But you've got, you know, you've got us. Obviously, the top four, which is us, United, Liverpool, and City, all of whom are extremely rich. You've got a few coming up on the wings. Uh, you know, Everton have got money. Uh, you know, uh, Leicester have got money. Spurs don't, don't never spend it, even if they do have money. But there's a lot of what I would call kind of big clubs bubbling under which makes it fiercely competitive for the spots below the top four. Then you've got like the middle lot who basically are just kind of happy to stay there um, or will get somebody who will come and bankroll them and, and, and push to do better. And then, you know, like Burnley, you know, the, the Burnley of this world who, who've got no money at all but do a very, very good job in staying up because actually that's what happens. If you stay up, you make a lot of money and it kind of perpetuates uh, if you don't spend any money in the Premier League, usually you go down. And one of the things I have noticed about uh, Premier uh, about Championship clubs who do come up to the Premier League, if they don't invest in a few players, or they don't have anybody who can score goals, or they've got a defence that's leakier than a colander, they go down. Look at Norwich; they're a classic example. Um, and I think that's what, what makes me really fascinated by Brentford this year. You know, in a way, you kind of remind me of Leeds. Uh, last season you know that you play football you play good football too but you have also got somebody who bangs in goals I mean Tony is a good good player by my book and worries me actually for the game next Saturday but uh, Leeds obviously had Bamford who could score in the Premier League and I think that might make the difference I mean what might be interesting for you and maybe something for you to watch out is that quite often teams that come up who are new and who take it to a lot of these more established Premier League teams tend to do very well for the first half of the season uh, but the second half they get found out because the difference between the Premier League and the Championship is that teams and managers and coaches they're much better basically the players are better the coaches are better and they they work you out quick you know so the second half of the season might be harder for you than the first kind of happened to Brighton when they came up but uh, uh, Potter's a good manager so he managed to find a way and they they survived so you know, I hate to be the, the harbinger of doom, but you might find that the second half of the season is a lot uh, harder than the uh, the first half looks like it is being. Um, the other interesting kind of spanner in that works, you know, we've got uh, Newcastle, 
who have just been taken over by the uh, Saudis, which I think is appalling on a on a human rights and a political issue. But I have to be honest, as a Chelsea fan, I would never ever begrudge anybody who supports a team who who basically gets taken over by a really rich owner. It'd be incredibly hypocritical not to do that. And you know why not the Geordies? They've had nothing for years and years and years, and a lot of lot of crap. So uh, why not? You know, they deserve it as much as anybody else. But uh, you have to question the morality of it, I suppose. Um, but I mean, that that should make it a lot tighter. As I said, I mean, you know, the top top four down to, say, 10, you know, you've got a lot of lot of clubs who are, who are wanting to be the next next contenders for the top four. So that makes it quite, I think, competitive. Um, but the reality is with the Premier League, you know, even though there's a huge disparity in, in wealth and and talent for that matter, you know, you have, as I said, you have generally got good players. You've got good coaches on the whole. And anybody, I mean, I know you might not believe this, but anybody can beat anybody on the day. If, you, if you're if you a big four side and you are not 100% on it, then you can lose. And I mean, I see it happen every season. We, we lose games that we should never lose on paper. But football's not played on paper. It's played on grass. And if you're not at it, you'll get a bloody nose. So I think the, the Premier League in some respects is is not as uh you know there's not as wide a gulf as you might expect on the day but of course what happens is over the course of a season you really do see the gulf and that's why at the end of the day it tends to be the clubs with the most money and therefore the best players and the best coaches who tend to finish in the top four but it ain't given you've got to earn that right you you really do so that was chich from the chelsea fan castle we're going to go back to chich in, in a bit because oh, just, I just had to cut him off there because there's a few things that he said and I just thought we um, a few points of discussion there actually um, one of the things that she said and it is so true because I was thinking this the other day when I was actually chatting to me to me championship chums and uh, I was looking at the league and I was looking at how Fulham were doing that's right and then Fulham were that's right I think it was doing the international break was it when Fulham were losing 4-1 to Coventry and I was sitting there they were just going berserk like you know at the TV and I was thinking oh I miss Fulham you know I miss I miss that game I know that we've gone up the Premier League but we're looking at all the games and we're just sort of kind of like we're enjoying ourselves and we're going to these teams and they sort of quite like us but then they get a little bit annoyed when we beat them but they're okay with us and you know we go off and we go off home but we we don't have that I'm looking at the fixtures and we just don't have that. Watford isn't the same. Crystal Palace isn't the same. Chelsea certainly isn't the same. We haven't got, they haven't got that rivalry at all. And and, and, and that's, I find that a bit strange, don't you, Lady? No, I'm all right with it. I, I, I just, I, honestly, I'm, I, just, I've forgotten about them already, to be honest with you. Um, no, I'm okay. Well, I'm talking okay. about a rivalry no, yeah. in general. No, yeah. I'm, all, I'm all right West with Ham it. Have got, no, I'm all right with it. You know, West Ham have got Tottenham, no, and you know, too too soon. You know. No, not bothered. Not bothered this year. Maybe in a, maybe three or four years if we're if we're used to it and we're looking for a, an extra dynamic and we need a bit of proper beef. But I'm I'm happy to make new acquaintances, new rivalries, learn all over again. I don't I don't I don't need to don't history don't need history to repeat itself. Um, we, we're, we're used to it we enjoy it but I'm happy you know it may come again and we'll enjoy that at a time again but at the moment just want to learn new experiences so yeah Fulham QPR who gives the monkeys the Allards I, I guess I feel somewhat similar I mean that I hadn't even really thought about it but it but it's 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 right isn't it there's you know, I'm just kind of enjoying. I, one of the things that I always think about rivalries is that is that you end up playing 
especially when the players get involved in the rivalries, is that games become more difficult than they need to be because the players become more up for winning it than they than you want them to. I mean, the opposition players. So I kind of always think I, I always think it's harder in a league where you're playing loads of local teams than it is in a league where you're not playing loads of local teams or local teams you've got rivalries with. Because it's, it's a bit like you know when England draws Scotland in 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 the. Um, it, in a major tournament is that you know England should beat Scotland but but that always becomes a game that you feel that an equivalent side ranked the same as Scotland England will be and it'll be a walkover but Scotland that never seems that way so I actually I'm really comfortable with not having games like that yeah, if that yeah, makes sense yeah. and, and just listening to Chidge and like I said it's really good to have him on the podcast remember him from the Love Cast the, the Love Sports shows we remember him from the FSF Awards back in the day as well we've known him for years and we've been you know almost like going in parallels you know Besotted and, uh, and, 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 and the Chelsea fan cast and, uh, but it's interesting because they are on another level to where Brentford are you know you know, you know, for years we've been wherever we've been, you know, pretty much third tier, fourth tier, and Chelsea. Okay, they had a few bad years and they had the Ken Bates years and all the, you know, the, all the barbed wire and all that nonsense that used to go down. But then, you know, they got Abramovich and they got money. And what I thought was really interesting is just chatting to, you know, a fan of a team who is up there. He's firmly lodged in the top four. They were from, you know, poorer backgrounds, but now they've got the money coming in. So you know, you sort of feel fans are sort of kind of, you know. One minute they they, they, they they look back at the old days, but they also looking back at their new days because they, they won't give it up for anything. But the, the question I say to you, and this is not a disrespect on kids or anything like that at all, you know, um, but is it cliched sometimes the stuff that teams come up with, especially when they look at teams like us? You know what I'm saying? When you say that, you know, you need money and if you don't have money, you're not going to survive. You know, you're talking about the top half, the middle half and the bottom half of the table, how it's split into three halves. And, you know, the, the teams at the top naturally normally just get away because they've got better managers and better players. I don't know. I mean, I'm just we're talking about Premier League cliches and, and Laney. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think there are quite a few. And I think quite a few of them are probably based on facts and based on experiences. A lot of teams that have come up um, and gone straight back down again. And, you know, it's, it's, it's quite obvious that the, the teams that come up have got their work cut out because, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite a closed shot, but it's almost a closed shot. If you get two or three years at this level, you've got so much more spending power and buying power um, and your squad, because it survived, is by by the very nature of that it's much stronger um and quality always and cream always rises to the top so a lot of it's based on facts and a lot of it is based on sort of hearsay and kind of just lazy rumors some of it um and it depends on the team it clearly depends on the team if you come up and you play the stereotype and you you come up and you do what west brom did last year um, or you do what Fulham did the year before and you just literally don't try and win a game you, 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 you put everyone behind the ball and you, and you try and close people out their quality will always carve you open at some stage and it's just a, it's an awful starting position trying not to lose just go out and if you're good enough go out and try and win and that's what we're doing and I think all the time we try and do that we'd be okay I, I, I honestly think good attacking uh, quality football teams survive at this level and I think that's what we are so I don't think we need to necessarily worry about that when we're doing okay it's, it's whether we change things when when we don't do okay and I think that's where we need to be patient and believe 
and the thing, the, th the, the 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 reasons that we are here is because of of, of our principles, and you've got to carry on believing in your principles. Um, and I, I I was fortunate. I was out with um, Paul Merson and Perry Groves yesterday on Sunday, um, at a book signing event in in Arsenal for a book that I've just published, and I asked them one of the questions, which is one of the cliches as well, is. Um, I, I put my hand up and asked a question. It was an Arsenal event, and I said, "I said, you know, should Brentford be because Merson played for Brentford?" I felt I was okay to ask it. Um, are, are Brentford um, their 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 perceived time wasting tactics? Is it something that we should be concerned about? And it's just, it's another one of those cliches. It's like time management and kind of like you you need to be out playing. Sometimes you just need to be out thinking, and I think that's where we're at most of the time this season so far we've varied our game and we're able to t not to be predictable and you know the advice not that it's real advice but their opinions Paul Merson and he's, he's been around the block he played for Basson Villa and Middlesbrough and, and, and Arsenal he won a Witten Wanderers Witten Wanderers he played you know he won, he won titles at Arsenal and Brentford um, was he said you know it was really refreshing they said you're not wasting time. It, don't think of it as time management. Don't think of it as time wasting. If you're in the lead in a in a in a in a game at the top level, you've earned the right to dictate the pace of that game. And they said you are playing cute. And I love that word. Brentford are cute. C U T E cute. And I think that's that's us. You know. We're just savvy. We're we're, we're using our novel. Yeah, I mean, savviness is uh, definitely um, where we're at at the moment now. Uh, it's interesting because I actually had a chat with a, a, a pundit as well a couple of uh, a couple of days ago, actually, and uh, I was chatting to him he's, uh, when I was doing this documentary. And he's actually, I, mean, I don't know, there's a little bit of slight sour grace because he's an Arsenal fan, and uh, and I know a lot of people didn't rate us before at all. This just wrote us off completely. And then what they said is, oh yeah, well, you know, you know, you're doing all right now, but you wait till after. To Christmas because when you have to go to Christmas you know all the other teams will find you out then and all the managers will find you out and then you're going to really struggle because that's what always happens and again I said to him I said to him well you know I'll tell you what I love doing I love listening to you know the pre-season pre podcast with all pundits you know I like listening to them in sort of kind of January and maybe even at the end of the year to, to, to hear what they've said at the beginning of the year and then at the end of the year and not because I want to call them out but I'm just saying that they say these things which are kind of I said it's, it's a lot of bluster they, they say these things with such confidence but I said but where does their information come from where, where, you know where where you know what is it based on is, is it based on the past what's happened in the past the whole time because normally for me you should watch football matches with your eyes and not watch it with kind of like looking at what's been going on beforehand and this is the fun one thing that kind of really kind of frustrated me so I'm, I'm just wondering I mean next year after January the Allard I mean do you think that we're going to be found out and we're going to be sussed out by by other managers what do you think well found out and sussed out suggest you've only got one way of playing um, so let me take you back sort of to I don't I don't think we started playing this system until end of April last year 3-5-2 we've got 4-3-3 up our sleeves we played 4-3-3 for years we played most of our time under Thomas Frank 4-3-3 albeit we played 3-4-3 as well um, so we have got other ways of playing and we've got and we've got players that can play the other way too you know we could we could go into a game with three up front with Tony and, and Boomer on one side and we saw on the other you know, so, so, so there's lots of different ways we can play. Um, so I don't know about getting found out. I, 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 my main worry is we if we hit injuries, you know that because we're not a big squad. Um, 
and but that's a different way of that, that's not being found out that's just you know unfortunately you when you're a small squad you can be susceptible to that sort of thing but yeah found out I don't know I don't know I I, I I'm not so sure. Yeah, and, and I think that's where we're probably going because we're trying to get ourselves to Christmas, to the January window, to see where we are then. We didn't spend loads of money like other teams have done in the previous window, but I think we've still got enough in the pot that if, we've, if we feel that we need to, we're almost like we're, we're, we're seeing what the lie of the land is, seeing if we can get to where we need to go. And then we need to, if we need to buy someone in the January window, we will do to get us where we need to go to the next level, which I think which is very, very clever. But listen, I mean, Chidge, he came up with a lot of really interesting things there, like the old school looking back to the fanzine days and everything like that. But we're going to have a little more of a listen to Chidge because he's going to be updating us on, on Frank Lampard and he's going to be talking about their manager, Tuchel, who apparently, you know, champions of Europe, you know, he likes to manage as well. And also how Chelsea are getting on and whether or not he reckons they are going to win the Premier League. Okay, I mean, just thinking about uh, what what you were thinking about about Frank Lampard. Of course, you would have known Lamps really, really well from his time at Derby, um, and uh, obviously, it was it was absolutely brilliant having uh, you know a Chelsea legend uh, as as the manager of the club. I mean, we were at a time when we kind of really needed a bit of unifying because uh, not everybody liked Maurizio Sarri. He was a bit of an acquired taste. Let's put it like that. Uh, so Lampard came in, and of course Lampard came in at a time we'd just lost Eden Hazard, who's been one of the best players I've ever seen at Chelsea, and of course we had a transfer ban, and uh, the corollary of that was that uh, Lampard had to resort to some of the younger players, so the likes of Tamori, Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Rhys James, Billy Gilmore all started to get through into the side, something that you know a lot of us have been crying out for for many, many years, because we knew we had a fantastic uh, amount of talent in the youth setup who were never, ever getting a chance to prove how good they were. Anyway, rather, you know, out of necessity, really, I suppose, Frank had to do that. But they all played really well. They all looked really, really good. And I, for one, was very upset to see both Tamori and Abraham go because I do think they're they're good players. They're young, so they're still learning the game. But they're good players. And, you know, Abraham's now proving that uh, out in Italy, as is Tamori. And I mean, I don't need to tell you about Reese James and Mason Mount, who who, who stuck it out and uh, proved how good they are. Mason Mount, I'd say, is probably arguably one of our best players. You know, when he wasn't playing the last few games, we didn't look the same side. So, you know, it's just brilliant to see you know young kids who grew up with the club actually making it because it was just su- such a not a Chelsea thing to do over recent history. So it's brilliant to see. Uh, and I notice, interestingly enough, that the Brentford squad only has two English players in it. What's going on there? I can't believe it. Very a lot of Danish players, but I suppose that's uh, not surprising given your manager's Danish. But there you go. Um, and Frank did very well. I mean, he got us in the top four, which is kind of a minimum requirement at Chelsea. You know, talking about expectations, like I was a minute ago. The bottom line for the club is top four. If if a manager fails to get Chelsea into the top four, they normally get the boot. Um, we also that the club also like to win stuff too. But uh, frankly, the thing they care about is the money again. And if you don't get in the top four, you don't make much money because you're not in the Champions League. And they need to do that. Uh, so I think he did really, really well to get his top four, given the fact that, that, that they hadn't, hadn't been able to buy any players. Um, I thought we were unlucky to lose the FA Cup to Arsenal. Uh, shit refereeing by that absolute clown Anthony Taylor didn't help. Um, and, you know, obviously it was looking good for the next season. But, you know, a lot of us thought... 
I mean, you know, the, the results weren't great around Christmas, but frankly, I think he probably could have pulled it round. So we all did think that uh, the trigger was pulled far too quickly. I think in hindsight, what I think happened was that, uh, from what I hear actually, is that Chelsea actually originally wanted uh, Thomas Tuchel uh, to join them uh, before Maurizio Sarri, but he chose PSG. And then he got sacked, didn't he, by PSG in the December. So I think they thought, well, he's available. Frank's had a bad run. We'll get away with it and we'll hire him because he's the boy we really wanted. And you cannot argue that that was not the right decision. I mean, what he has done at the club since then has been phenomenal. You know, he sorted out the defence. We, we very rarely concede. He's made players who were ostracised by Frank and we thought were rubbish into really good players. Rudiger's the best example of that. Alonso is another one. Um, he still, you know, championed the likes of Rhys James and uh, Mason Mount, so he gets our vote there. And he, and he you know, in, in, what, three, four months, he won the Champions League. I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't ask for better than that. I, personally, I think he's absolutely brilliant. He's a brilliant tactician. He's a great man-manager. He's a very likeable guy. He's good in the media. Uh, he takes no shit. He's a born winner. I hope he stays for a long, long time, which probably means that he'll last about another six months knowing Chelsea. But there you go. But I really do think he's he's brilliant. His in-game changes are, are very, very good. I mean, he's done it on a few occasions this season when we've not been at the races in the first half. Second half, he's changed it around and boom. Did it against Southampton, did it against Villa. Um, even against City when we uh, when we lost 1-0, he, uh, you know, the changes he made were making a difference. Sadly, it was too late. But uh, no, he's absolutely he's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I think he could go down as one of the best Chelsea managers, if not the best that we've ever had. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this season he kind of came in, and I mean, he hasn't really changed much, to be honest. I mean, we got Lukaku, uh, who uh, I think was the best striker we could get. Nobody was going to get Haaland, and nobody nobody in their right mind should pay him two hundred million whatever it was, 200,000 a week or something stupid like that he wanted, even more maybe. But uh, I think Lukaku's proved what a good striker he is. I mean, you just look at his goal ratio. Uh, it's just uh, it's like one and up. It's just kind of somewhere between one and two goals uh, a game or something like that. It's a very high rate, and that, that strikes me as a one in two, basically. It makes you out as a good world-class striker, and he's about that. Uh, he's even better than that, I think, in international football, which is, you know, a good mark of a, of a decent striker. So yeah, but I mean, but, but broadly speaking, it, it pretty much stayed the same, um, you know. And I'm happy with that. I think the squad's good. I do think that we we miss a genuine kind of number ten, you know, a really really creative player who can fashion something out of nothing, a bit like Hazard used to, really link the midfield and uh, and the attack. And I think that's the problem that Chelsea have got at the moment that we haven't quite figured out how to get the uh, the front players, the attacking players, to gel or how to get them to gel more to the point with Lukaku. Um, and I think that's a bit of an issue. And I think the issue that we have is because because Tuchel plays with wing-backs um, and two in midfield, effectively. So it's like a four-man midfield and it goes to basically five at the back when we lose possession. But the midfielders are ostensibly defensive midfielders. So either it's Jorginho and Kante or Jorginho and Kovacic. Um, and I think that that proves to, you know, you just don't get that link between the midfield and, and attack. And apart from Mason Mount and probably Kai Havertz, I think Mason Mount is more of an 8 than a 10, but he tends to play more as a 10. Havertz is a 9 or a 10 um, and a bit lazy, but a very good player. All the other players in those attacking areas are basically old-fashioned wingers. And yet we don't play with wingers. So you've got all of these players like Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic, Ziyech, 
to name but three. Werner, you could argue, is more of a winger than a striker. And they're all playing in this kind of area behind Lukaku. But that's not really their position. And I think that's a little bit that's a little bit of the problem that we've got. I think the other thing, as I said about the midfield, I think what he's done recently, he's brought in Ruben Loftus-Cheek and played three in the midfield. And I think that has been, actually that's been much better because Ruben breaks the lines, he runs with the ball, he's more box to box. I think Mount eventually might, might be able to do that too. But I think we've looked a lot better uh, with Loftus-Cheek playing there. So it'll be really interesting to see um, if he plays him on Saturday in that role because, of course, you play 3-5-2. And if he plays 3-4-3, I can see us getting outnumbered in midfield. And that's what Villa did to us. Villa did a very good job on us by doing that. And he had to bring another midfielder on. To, he brought on Kante, I think, but uh, he brought on uh, he had three in the midfield ostensibly and that kind of matched it up. So I hope he does that actually against you on Saturday because I think you are a very good side as you proved. I mean the Arsenal the Arsenal match, I saw that coming actually, but I have to say I didn't see the Liverpool match coming and to draw 3-3 with them lot coming behind each time tells me that not only have you got a lot of decent players and a lot of skill but you've got a lot of tenacity and I think that's going to stand you in very good stead um, weaknesses well I mean what we are very good at doing is keeping the ball so if, if we're keeping the ball like we normally do uh, and you do attack us which I think you will that actually might play into our hands because I think that, that we can exploit the gaps but we've still got to put the ball in the net and I still think we have a problem with that even though we've signed Lukaku um, we're you know hard to we're hard to score against as well, and I mean you know if you don't take your chances against us, you could have a tough time on Saturday. But I don't think it's you know I I think it's going to be really tight. I think Brentford a good side, and I, I think you know you know what it's like after an international break. Sometimes the players come back; they've not had a lot of time on the training ground. You know they might be a bit tired; they're not as focused. And you know, really, we need to be a hundred percent on this and very, very focused against you lot on Saturday. Or, as I said, we could be in for a bit of a shock. Um, so, I would not be surprised to see it as a draw, but I never ever predict anything but a Chelsea win. But I don't think we're going to hammer you at all. It's not going to be like like the four nils that we dished out the last couple of times we played you. Uh, funnily enough, I was at Brentford for the two-two in the FA Cup in two thousand and thirteen. And I have to say it was one of the it was one of the best matches I've been to in years, largely because we were able to stand in a proper old fashioned terrace, which we all were, and it was just such a it was just such a great day out of getting drunk, being in a terrace. I mean, I, I I don't know how I got a ticket for it. I got really lucky, but everybody wanted a ticket for that. And of course, that was the match where we spent spent most of the time giving dogs abuse to Rafa Benitez. Uh, to the extent where the director of communications came down and talked talk to the chairman of the sports trust to try and get us to shut up and he looked at him like he was mad and said what do you think really and we gave absolute dogs abuse to him it was just one of the best and we drank an awful four uh, pubs of course around the ground as we loved to do when we used to go down to griffin park not that we ever got to do that much uh, so very very fond memories of the last away trip to to brentford even though the result was shit for us and i i hope uh, i hope i get to go on saturday and bring back even better memories but anyway, you want a prediction out of me. I'm going to say 2-1, Billy, because I can't say anything else. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was a draw, put it that way. All right, chaps, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, catch up with you again soon. Uh, I know we've got Billy on our show on Friday, so I'm looking forward to that. But uh, And good luck for the rest of the season. As I said, a lot of Chelsea supporters have got a massive soft spot for Brentford. Uh, we've got, you know, a lot of play- ex-players have played there, like Chopper, of course. I remember that. 
and uh, you know and the like and as I said I know a lot of kind of former Chelsea fans who've ended up at Brentford so there's quite a there's quite a, a soft fe- you know good feeling about Brentford that's for sure uh, keep your nah but Brentford you're alright see you soon so there you go Chich from the Chelsea fancast and he's keeping his fingers crossed he's going to get a ticket for Saturday because it's a very 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 hot ticket I've had a lot of Chelsea fans just inquiring not not asking to come into our end or anything like that but just inquiring how do you get tickets for Brentford because I know there's a lot of sort of hospitality and all that lot, which has obviously been very mixed but even apart from what I can gather the hospitality is pretty much sold out well, it's not pretty much sold out it's sold out this is uh, one of the hottest tickets in town so I've heard a lot of Chelsea uh, well just I think I'm just going to be drinking in and around Brentford from what I can gather, which is all good. But listen, Chich, great to have you on the podcast. I'll be on the Chelsea Fancast Friday evening. I think it goes out live, I think 7.20 or somewhere around about 7.20, 7.30 on Friday night as well if you want to check that out. So that was interesting. But uh, Chelsea, I know we need to fear them because they are quite good. But what we're going to do is that we're actually going to find out exactly how much fear we need because we've got Will, the spreadsheet winker, who's actually been in his lab and he's run down on the figures and the stats on Chelsea. So this is Will, the spreadsheet winker on Chelsea. Spreadsheet winker. So let's look at the Chelsea game then. What do we need to know about them? Chelsea are actually only one place ahead of us in the XG table right now, sitting in 7th with an XG differential of 2.8. That's all of their XG created, taken away from all of the XG that their opponents have created. But the reason why they're doing so well in the real table is a strange one. Their defence are either superhumanly good at stopping huge chances go in, or they've been incredibly lucky. They've let in just three goals so far this year, but they've conceded three times that amount of XG. Especially interesting was their game against Liverpool, where they drew 1-1 despite conceding five huge chances in the box and several other medium-sized chances, adding up to 3.35 xG. Either Liverpool's strikers were blind that day, or the Chelsea defence was incredibly, incredibly lucky. Second of all, they're a strange team to quantify when it comes to pressing. In some matches like their 3-0 win against Spurs, they press higher than Bees do, under eight passes per defensive action. That's how many passes their defence allow the opposition to create in front of them before they lunge in for a challenge. But in others, like the Liverpool game, they set back to an almost comical degree, ending that game with an average of 39 passes per defensive action. They also averaged more than 20 passes per defensive action in their 1-0 loss to Man City, so they seem to be vastly more effective when they're allowed to press a team high. This will almost certainly be a coaching point for Frank and his team. If you allow Chelsea to press you into difficult situations, they'll make you pay, and it'll be a difficult match. If you can stop that, we'll probably do all right. So there you go, Will, the spreadsheet winker. Will Allsop, excellent work he does for the bees beside because he knows his onions, as they say. And uh, I mean, you don't need to be a spreadsheet winker and be sitting in your room to tell us that Chelsea have an excellent attack, you know, scoring 15 from that set, was it over 12 XG, and they've got an excellent defence. Um, but, you know, I've, the way that he says that the defenders have been lucky actually because like you know they've had uh, what three goals conceded from 9xg but you know there's an argument to also say that they're just very good defenders as well like you know so uh, I, I don't know 
But um, the interesting thing as well, I mean, a lot of people really hate this, the Justice League and everything like that, you know, which is a league which pitches everybody based on XG as opposed to their real position. But the fact that they're only one place above Brentford, I think, is is really interesting. I mean, I mean, I'm going to ask you, Laney and uh, the Allard, would you would you would you take that? Do you want to just <laughs> swap the tables over? Do you want to keep it as it is? I'm 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 more than happy with the table as as it is. You know, we we've got this mouthwatering game on uh, on Saturday evening to look forward to. It's it's the toughest game since the last one. Um, it's it's we're on a string of fixtures where every single game is incredible. It's a challenge, and that's why we're here to pit ourselves against the very best. And Chelsea and Arsenal and Liverpool and you know West Ham on their day are, are, are the very best. I just hope we play. Chelsea when you know a good time <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> because 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 you know you know they, they have got their, they have, they have got their deficiencies I mean that they aren't they aren't the 10 year old Barcelona they they they're not Man City at their pomp you know they they they're a quality quality outfit and we are massive underdogs but that's, this is where we excel and you know anything anything can happen on on Saturday night and I'm just you know I want it to be another one of those events rather than a game and our record so far in the events is, is good you know I, I, I can't honestly I can't wait I can't wait yeah I mean I'm going to say because this is interesting okay because listen if you, if you look at how our season's gone so far and this again I'm not disrespecting Wolves not disrespecting you know pa- Palace I'm not disrespecting all these other teams I'm just looking at it where where, you know, if you want the Premier League cliches as well, like, you know, we first come in with the inverted commas big team, which is Arsenal, and you didn't know where you're going to go, oh, you get a result against them, and everyone, no one really expected us to get a result against them. In retrospect, yes, they said they all did, but in, up front, they didn't do. And then you get the Liverpool game, where, again, up front, no one expected us to get a result, but we did work well against them. But we were also fearing those games as we went in there. Now we've got the Chelsea game again. It's almost like the Chelsea game now, to me, is like the Liverpool game. When you went to the Liverpool game, you think, oh, God, there we go. Or, you know, or, you know Salah or, or they're all uh, fantastic. Or, you know what I'm saying? But we're, we're going into that in the same way. Uh, however, on, on the flip side of it, you know, I'm just saying there's things like, you know, you know, uh, the way Chelsea, um, apparently the way, I don't know if it's tactical, but sometimes they press um, really high, um, really, really high. And then other times they just sit off them, you know, like, you know, when they played Liverpool, they were really passive in their in their pressing, which, you know, potentially can give us an advantage. So again, it is one of those things where, you know, you're playing them on the right day. I mean, the Allard, do we have a chance against Chelsea? Um, I, I think this may be our toughest game so far. I, I kind of feel... But we said this for every game so far. Yeah, but, but, but every single but, game, we just yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I think with this one, Chelsea are pretty good at dictating the game themselves, and and also they're not afraid to to change things up if they have to. Um, I think against Liverpool, I think because of the way Liverpool play, they give you chances. And I, and, and to be honest, I think I think the, the the guy from the Liverpool podcast said that before. He said that you know we will get chances to get behind them, um, and and we did. You know, I, I, did Chelsea give up as much as many chances? I I I, I don't honestly think they do. Um, I think that they play safer than Liverpool, if that makes sense. Um, but you know, here's a cliche: it's eleven against eleven, isn't it? I mean, again, according to the um, the Winkers stats, actually, they 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 do seem to give up. Up more I, than actually, yeah, and, and and maybe that comes but, from me not having watched them 
really this season is that I'm just looking at the number of goals they're letting in and that ain't many. So, so maybe there is more yeah, to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Defensively, yeah. they're very yeah. good. Yeah, no, and that's yeah. kind of what I mean. Yeah. Is that I'm thinking, you know, that since Tuchel come in, they've been a really effective side, a good effective side. Yeah. And they've noticed the difference. I mean, obviously the Lampard, and we know the Lampard from, uh, well, from yeah, for, he's, he's a championship manager as far as we're concerned. And again, this is no disrespect for him. We always say this on the podcast, for anybody that we know from the championship, whether or not they're a player or a manager, they remain a championship player and a manager. And it's almost like, you know, we'd actually quite like to play against them because we feel that we could take on any championship team, which might be whether or not it's Leeds United or Wolverhampton Wanderers or Norwich and that, because as far as we're concerned, we're still in that same little kind of championship club, but just playing at sort of Premier League level, if that makes sense. Uh, but Tuchel is definitely not a, a, a championship manager, Laney. You know, the, the elephant in the room is just like Romelu Lukaku. You know, if, if, he, if he plays and he plays anywhere near like he's capable of, you know, we've, we've got a job on our hands. If, he, if he's injured, doesn't play or, you know, or he gets crocked or, or whatever, you know, but we, we do need certain factors to go for us. Um, you know, Thiago Silva on his day, Rutiger, he's these are colossal defenders, you know, and but, but we, we are here to pit ourselves against this. And I, I, you know, Man, the Man City home defeat Chelsea had, um, where they really didn't even attack. They, they 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 got found out against against Man City. That was that was the the fairest result of the weekend before last. Um, you know, it it, it was it, they have got weaknesses. Let's, let's let's not get too carried away. You know, on their day, if all of their eleven play to their potential, then they've won the game. Um, but that's that's not the way it's panning out at the moment, and I think we are going to get chances. And anything, I, I believe anything is possible. I I think what's really important as well for us is that is that because we got twelve points from seven games, we're we're, we're playing with no pressure. And we, we to be honest, we, we we won't play with pressure until the number of games almost catches up the number of points we've got, or if that ever happens, maybe it won't. But until that happens, we, we're playing without pressure. And that, that's a kind of a, a, a big thing for me because it means that, you know, mentally the players aren't under that extra element of stress, knowing that if they miss, miss their one chance, you know, that, that this could put, put us sort of off the path to safety or whatever. Um, so it, it, it gives us a... We can play with a freedom. We can make adventurous substitutions if we want to. And, and I think that's really important. And I, and I honestly think so far that's just one of the stories of the season is that we, we're able to play without any pressure. Can you imagine what it's like playing for Norwich at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was speaking to the Norwich boys as well, actually, from a Talk Norwich City to, today as well. And they just said, you know, they're actually very, very jealous of us and, and our start to the league. And, and again, you know, it's... It's a different approach. I mean, I know sort of, uh, you know, Chichi was talking about, you know, how much investment they've made and how much investment we've made. But to be honest with you, it's like, you know, we've invested some money, but, you know, it's a case of, and we've said this before, it's a case of how you spend your money. Uh, it's not a case of how much you spend your money. I think it's how, how you spend your money. If you could spend two million and get a player that's really, really good value, then, you know, it's about the player. It's not about how much you spend, actually. Um, it's interesting, you were talking about the fairness of the result, actually, just going back to last weekend and then, then the weekend review, we talk about the fairness of the result and that West Ham game, like, you know, we actually had a little, uh, little like I said, we, we always kind of go around the panel to see how fair they think the game was. And I think, um, Laney, you thought it was a 50 
50% fairness on that one. No, I, said, I, said, I said 75. 74.8. 74.8, I think I said. That's right. Briggsy said 40% on that one, and I went in on the 75%. No, you didn't. No, you never. It's on celluloid, like you know. And uh, yeah, and it came in on the fairness rating of that game, 76% as well, the West Ham, you know, even though, yeah, slightly higher XG, but you know, it was but it was still in the yellow, so it wasn't like a really unfair result. It was like a, hmm, it's it's slightly unfair, but it's, it's, but it's, other, other, 74%. Let's let's settle on that. Other fairness That's ratings right. are available. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we need to. Uh, but listen, check out the Sunday review. And uh, on Sunday, like I said to you, it's going to go on a weekend review, which comes out probably Monday morning or maybe late on Sunday evening as well. And we'll be giving a fairness rating on the Chelsea game. But we won't talk about that as yet because we, first of all, have to look at Chelsea and what they're about. Chelsea's strengths, very strong at mm-hmm. shooting from direct free kicks very strong at finishing scoring chances, strong at creating long shot opportunities, strong at creating chances using through balls and strong at creating chances through individual skill. And their weaknesses, uh, actually they haven't got any. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we definitely have got our work cut out. This, this was much more fun, wasn't it, in the championship when it would be Cardiff, strong at heading it, kicking it long, um, rubbish at passing. <laughs> <laughs> that's right rubbish yeah. getting out their own half like you know what I'm saying so yeah, this is there's a different 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 gravy here like you know but it's still a lot of fun so look, look I'm going to go around the table because we need to get some score predictions around the table here we've got um, it's not Leeds United if you remind me actually um, before we get to the score predictions I was just going to say because this game we're coming to score predictions in a minute this game like I said to you early kickoff means that we're down the pubs early. I just late want to late know kickoff. Laney. Late kickoff. Sorry, sorry. But early kickoff, I mean, is early besotted kickoff. Right, as in we're kicking off early, okay? Mm. Uh, last time we did a little Ted Lasso <laughs> tour and we actually went into Richmond and we kind of walked down the river and then we went to some pubs in queue and then we walked down some more pubs. Laney, any plans for Saturdays yet, do you think? I'm easy, mate. I'm happy to repeat that. I'm, I'm happy to walk from Hammersmith back the other way. I'm happy to walk from Ealing that way. I'll, I'll, I'll do north east south Whatever, I think an early start is is, is absolutely essential. Though. Definitely an early start. The thing about early starts, obviously, everyone gets themselves quite lively, quite happy, got, um, you know, just getting themselves in the vibe. Uh, the one thing is interesting because we had Dan from the uh, um, the Anfield Wrap on on the on the Liverpool podcast as well, and we were talking about sort of kind of you know we were talking about social issues as well as you do. You know, it's not all about football as well, but we were talking about how fans can make a difference as well and how they can make a difference we were talking about you know food banks and what fans could do to actually help other fans as well and like I said to you I mean I've done this documentary like I said to you for England which is going to be out in a couple of days time but one of the things I talked about is fans okay being comfortable it's like you know when I heard booing on the terraces it made me feel uncomfortable on the terraces myself and me and my daughter and my friends shouldn't feel uncomfortable but no football fan should feel uncomfortable on the terraces and there's certain chants that go out there at the moment now which do make people feel uncomfortable because they don't really fit in the 21st century you know or to, you know 10 20 years ago I'm not saying they were right but there were things that were sung just because they were sung then 
doesn't necessarily mean that they should be sung now. And there's the Chelsea Rent Boys uh, song, which is sung, I mean, I've heard that for like 30 years, like, you know. And uh, But the fact is that reality is, you know, let's, let's get a grip on that. It's, it's homophobic and it's actually not really very funny, isn't it, Lane? Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100% on that. And um, there was, there's always a, a slight concern that if you if you raise, raise it as an issue that you're actually sort of um, not encouraging, but you're kind of like giving amplification to the song that people may not be aware of anyway but all I from my perspective is I, I honestly think we ought to be concerned with just getting behind our own team more and just singing Brentford songs and not really worrying about you know the away fans I know it's part of it but just get you know put your energy behind sing, you know singing come on you bees or come on Brentford or hey Jude rather than sign of you know embarrassing and antiquated nonsense I, I, I honestly think you know as you said Bill everyone needs to be, feel comfortable at the game and uh, those kind of songs have got no place in, in, in modern football so you know sing sing, get behind Brentford and, and, and leave all the other nonsense back in the 80s yeah, and um, I mean, the Allard, any plans? Because it is an early start, and when we get an early start, we need to really make the most of it, don't we? Yeah, I, I have a bit of a, a work thing going on, on on Saturday mornings for a little business I run. So, so so the early, early start, but to be honest, these five o'clock kickoffs are quite nice because cause it does mean I can have a, a nice sort of move into the game, you know, just a few hours in the pub and stuff like that. And um, yeah, just just getting into the mood it does make the weekend review podcast which we sometimes try and do at like seven o'clock or eight o'clock on sunday morning a little bit jaded. yeah count me out of that count me out of that <laughs> that's right so anyway listen i'm gonna go around the table here and i'm gonna get a score prediction from you guys laney 2-1 brentford thank you oh i'm gonna go the allard first nil nil of the season Nil nil to the end. Myself, I think I think I got the. Did I get the West Ham score right? Two one was it? Is I think. Like Dan, you got that wrong as well. Uh, yeah, seventy four percent. But anyway, I'm going to go for uh, I'm going to go for one nil to Brentford as well. Like, you know, so, oh. you know a bit, I know a bit of confidence here all around. But you know, listen, we, we might as well because we've got nothing to lose, don't we? But anyway, it's been great chatting to you guys, catching up after the international break. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Please subscribe to us on all your podcast channels. You can support us on besotted.com forward slash beer. If you want to catch me on the Chelsea Fancast on Friday night, you can check us out on that as well. We'll have our... Buy us a beer. Yeah, buy us a beer, Besotted.com forward slash beer. What else have we got? We've got the weekend review Sunday and we're going to be at Sunday night or Monday morning on that one as well. We've got loads of things going on. Besotted articles, you know, reviews and um, yeah, all sorts of stuff. So just check us out by I'll oh, oh, Billy Grant, I've got Lane in the house. Good evening. We got the Allard in the house. Come on, you bees. And we are very much looking to Chelsea. It's got a very long day. We've got King Tuck coming down, all the other characters and Rusper. Oh, King Tuck. Yeah, they're all coming down. Like, I've got a few drinks. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Very excited, aren't we? Come on, you bees. Chelsea's coming down. 2 1 Brentford, mate. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.